Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You may be seated. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, do you know your neighbors? The people who dwell among you? Used to be that you could hardly survive unless you knew everyone around you. You depended on the skills and knowledge and ability of the people around you. But now we live in a culture where it's kind of seen like it's weird if you know everyone around you. People might think you're the neighborhood snoop if you know just the names of the people around you. Because we live such independent and disconnected lives. And yet, in the midst of this, there is a growing recognition that we have to somehow rebuild that former sense of community, that sense of of needing one another. So I looked and found a few examples of this over the last uh, 10 years or so. Uh, A UK newspaper, The Guardian, they determined to do a project where they were going to have various journalists go out and just meet and get to know just at least one person in their neighborhood, whether that's an apartment complex or, or your traditional uh, neighborhood. And the, and the results were interesting. You know, some people got to make a new friend at the very least. Some people had their eyes opened to see their community in a new light. They got to hear from people who had watched their community longer than that journalist had been alive. But for most of them, what you could see is They all recognize their own lack of being a neighbor, their own failure of being a neighbor in the community. And then there was an article by CBS that had uh, benefits for knowing your neighbor. And these are very practical things. Having someone to keep a spare key for you, someone to check your mail when you're, you're out of town, and someone to keep watch for any suspicious activity. Uh, those, those are reasonably uh, uh, you know, helpful things. Uh, and some are even things that Stephanie and I need to do. You know, have someone that comes and checks on your pets when you're out of town. So you know, we have to do that soon, too. So that's, that makes sense. But as I read it, it struck me that this is a very instrumental use of your neighbor. It's less about knowing someone as a human being, getting to know them for the sake of knowing them, than having maybe a good service on call when you need them. And worst yet was an article uh, from USA Today. It was ways to check out your neighbor online. Yeah. God forbid you actually go out and meet your neighbor. Uh, You can instead get on whitepages.com and get their name. You don't even, just their name. And then, of course, you can go on to the Nextdoor app. If you're not familiar with that, it's sort of a Facebook for a, a particular neighborhood. You can get on there and... You can check out how neighborly your neighbors are, you know, just in in case they're not living up to your standards. And then, hey, you know, why stop there? You can go and check out their politics. 
you know, just to make sure that they meet your standards, make sure that they are compatible with you. And this article states in is it says, why not check out the sex offenders in your neighborhood? Now, I'm not saying don't be careful, right? That's something you want to do as a practical measure as parents of small children. But as I looked at this, what this article was encouraging was to snoop in anonymity. That's an actual phrase that was in the article, right? To snoop in anonymity. And what that does is it completely overlooks our own shortcomings. It encourages you to look out at everyone else and their failures, their quirks. It doesn't tell you to look at your own quirks, your own failures, your own lack of neighborliness. It it conveniently encourages you to overlook and to ignore your own antisocial behavior and inclinations. But of course, this self-centered antisocial tendency that we call sin is not new. Our text this morning says that the Word became flesh, and yet he was not received by his own people. The whole world That was made through the eternal word. It did not know him. It turned him away. And Jesus, of anyone, was most worthy of welcome into the neighborhood of our world. Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, teachers of the law, they were constantly checking out Jesus, looking at him, trying to figure out ways to get him out of the neighborhood. And of course, this was after King Herod tried to kill him as an infant. You see, all of these people, they got really set on their own solution for life. Their inwardly focused solution of purity. If only everyone was just like me, then we'd all be okay. There was no room for welcoming the other, the stranger, the outsider. And so to hear this gospel text this morning, what a wonder it is that God sent Jesus to dwell with us, with you and with me, in spite of our unworthiness and our, even our unwillingness to have him come with us. Thanks be to God that God did not take this approach of, of our approach to figuring out who should be our neighbor. He didn't have to go to whitepages.com to figure out what your name is. He didn't have to go to some app to assess how neighborly you are. He didn't do a background check to see how clean your background is thanks be to God. And he certainly didn't give a lick of care to your politics. No, no. 
being full of grace and truth, Jesus set aside any right that he had, and certainly he did have a right to do these things. He set all of that aside to come into our human flesh and to dwell with you and to me. In fact, he had to do this because we could never measure up to his standard, to be able to get into his neighborhood, so he came to be our neighbor. There was no hope that you or I could ever measure up because God's standard is too high. I'll just say Pastor Braun's sermon last night hit this quite well. And so Jesus came to be the neighbor that you and I could never be. He came to be the neighbor that you need. He didn't come to just know you through a list of facts. He came in flesh and blood to know your pain, to know your suffering, to know your loneliness, your doubts, even to know your death. He came to be the neighbor who knows you perfectly and who loves you even in spite of all of those things. He loves you perfectly. He came to raise you up. Yes, being human now is no longer some mere passing of our days and meaningless until death finally comes to put us out of our misery. No, because God himself has come into our flesh. The eternal of God has come to raise up our humanity to the way it was intended to be full of meaning and purpose. These are gifts that you have even now, even in this life. And even more than that, you have hope for the life of the world that is to come. And so this miracle and this mystery of the incarnation, the enfleshment of the eternal word, it stands as a beacon of light in our dark world, even in spite of our resistance and unworthiness of it. And all of this is because Jesus came to be your neighbor, to dwell with you, to take up residence in your neighborhood. Not simply in some unseen, disembodied, mystical way, but in your own flesh and blood. He came and affirmed your need to be with one another. Now you, dear friends in Christ, are here this morning because Jesus has come and taken up residence in your hearts. You wouldn't be counted amongst those who sit in deep darkness as Isaiah speaks. And yet, having received grace upon grace from our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I, we remain sinners in this life. What that means is that 
welcoming the other, the outsider, the stranger, our own neighbor, it remains a challenge in this life. So our meditation today, our challenge to think through is who around you needs to receive the joy of the loving presence of Jesus, the eternal word in flesh um, around you? Where have you closed the door to your neighbor and, and where do you need to open that door and welcome others in to receive that joyous, loving presence of Jesus. In thinking through this, I'm, I'm reminded of the end of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Now, it's a well-known story. I trust everyone knows the story. And so you have Scrooge, who is a complete miser. You have a character who becomes an epitome for hatred of Christmas, right? And everyone knows Scrooge. But then he goes through this harrowing, transformative experience over Christmas Eve. And then he runs out on Christmas morning, transformed with the joy of love and hope. And he goes to his nephew's house, and they are thrown off by his presence. No one expected Scrooge to show up. And they know Scrooge. They could have easily said, ah, you're trying to pull one over on me. But they didn't. And they welcomed him in. Now, of course, Scrooge didn't stay there, but then he went on to Bob Cratchit's house. And of anyone, Bob Cratchit would be justified in saying, you are not genuine. Get out of my house. Now, understandably, Bob was a little hesitant. He was thrown off by Scrooge's presence that morning, but he didn't cast him out. He didn't shut the door, but he welcomed Scrooge in. And they were both blessed by this encounter, even in sharing a meager celebration that Bob and his family had prepared. So what might this welcoming of the other look like in our community? How might we bless others? How might God bless us through this welcoming of others into our presence? I think first we need to consider that we should know not only our neighbor's names, but we're called to know our neighbor's suffering, their pain, their struggles, we share that together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as we welcome people in, that's what we're called to share, the burden of the cross. And what might that look like? Well, for Christmas, we're thinking through Christmas. What about a meal, a feast, Christmas Day, for those who are lacking others? As Pastor Braun so Handily mentioned last night, there are people whose circle has been broken, as President Dale Meyer wrote, Dr. Dale Meyer. How about a meal where lonely hearts are united in joy, in festivity, 
in the celebration of the word who breaks our darkness, who shines light into our hearts and our lives. So, do you know your neighbors? This neighbor certainly knows you. He knows you perfectly, not just facts, but he knows your pain, your suffering, and he brings you joy. He dwells with you, even in spite of your unworthiness. He raises you up, giving you purpose, meaning, and hope, and he welcomes you into his neighborhood. May his light shine in your hearts, in your minds, in your lives, and shine through you into the pain and suffering and darkness of this world as we go out from this place to bring the great good news of Jesus Christ, born in a manger, born in the flesh, to save us all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen.